Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today, it's Monday, so what are we talking about? Star Trek Discovery, of course. Yeah, the latest episode, Perpetual Infinity. It happened. And, yeah. A couple things before we get into spoilers, because... Yeah, I got stuff to say. First of all, they 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 found the secret CW dial when they made this episode. You know the one I'm talking about, the let's turn melodrama up to 11. And they grabbed it, and they turned, and they turned, and they turned until, ooh, the melodrama. It, it got up to maybe 12 or 13 on this one. Mm. And I'm okay with that, especially after what's been happening. It's, it's all right. Though, yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was all right. It, it did what it had to do to set up the rest of the series and what's going to happen next. It was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Beyond that, let's go into spoilers. Spoilers for Perpetual Infinity episode, whatever it is, of Star Trek Discovery incoming in five, four, three, two, one, and blast off. Okay, so if you remember where we left off, they captured the Red Angel, and we had that moment of, Mom? Yeah. Okay, so I was a little upset that they were so convinced that it was not going to be someone other than Michael, and then it turned out to be Michael. And so, so how did they handle this twisty, surprisey thing? Through the magic of the double hand wave, of course. Because how does Star Trek handle anything nowadays? The, the glory of the hand wave. We've been wondering who's the Red Angel, who's the Red Angel, who's the Red Angel. Oh, you know, Tilly comes in last episode and just hand waves it away. Oh, it's, it's you, Michael. And then at the end of the episode, oh no, it's not. Wait, big surprise. How is it not? We were set up the whole time to believe that it was, even though that made absolutely no sense. And one of the worst twists, not the worst twist, the word twi worst twist is still, really, nobody figured out that Tyler was a Klingon? Because that was just so obvious that, like, I don't understand how Lorca ever got away with anything. Because he was so stupid, he didn't figure that out. But he didn't figure that out. Still worst twist in Star Trek Discovery by far. But uh, how are we going to get out of this twist? Because we told you it was Michael and now it's not Michael. And it's and how are we going to cover this? Double hand wave. Because we're going to distract you with the first hand wave and then hit you with the second hand wave and then just go on with the story. So how'd they do this? Well, Culper in his dress whites. I'm sorry, I know the new medical uniform that really looks like the TNG dress uniform but okay doctors whatever i'll accept it 
tells us that all the emotional turmoil that he's been going through over what he's going to do, well, he's made the decision he's been reinstated in Starfleet because he wants to help. Oh, and by the way, you know, mitochondrial DNA, it's all the same, and they're really, really close in women. Which, okay, if you're going to hand wave a couple things, here's my problem, Star Trek Discovery, because, okay, first of all, everybody has their mama's mitochondrial DNA. That's how that works. Your mama gives you her mitochondrial DNA, which was her mama's and her mama's and her mama's all the way back. And then she gives you half of her DNA. Your daddy gives you half of his DNA. It all gets mixed together. But we are all more our mama than anybody else because we get two sets of DNA from her. Okay? All right. So in women... Mitochondrial DNA between mothers and daughters are very close. No, it's not very close. It's the same thing. We get our mama's DNA. So if you're gonna, if you're going to hand wave away, a major twist in a way that is supposed to be okay, don't say something stupid, and don't make Culper, who has shown that he's very smart, say something stupid, because that's the problem with this whole thing is okay they're similar blah 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 blah. but they were talking about like brain scans and stuff in the previous episode or at least that's how i understood it and now they're talking about mitochondrial dna because okay all right that's a thing that you did i i have to say that that uh, like i've accepted a lot of weird hand waves from star trek over the years because I accepted that Val is a weird volcano god computer thing because that's what they did and orange skin Eden people and I accept that and I moved on with it. I accepted that they could rip Spock's brain out of his head and he's still alive enough that McCoy could hook a little thing on his head to keep him alive and remote controlled so they could get his brain back and I, I have accepted a lot when it comes to Star Trek hand-waving. I have accepted that the progenitors left a weird breadcrumb thingy through all of the humanoid races in Star Trek to say, yo, brotherhood, awesome, yo, what? And I've accepted that Ridley Scott's going to completely rip off that idea and tell us that that's where the alien came from. Okay, Maybe I didn't accept the last part because Prometheus, Prometheus, the only movie in the quote unquote alien franchise I don't own. Cause yeah, I bought covenant because I'm weak, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're not talking about alien. So I, I've accepted a lot of hand waving over the years and I've just come to accept it as best as possible. But that, that really like, I'm sorry, Culper deciding that he's going to stay on the ship or at least get reinstated in Starfleet, that was a big emotional beat and to just hand wave it away because you didn't have time because I needed to watch the the, the most CW cry fest from Shaniqua Martin-Green as she's dealing with her mother and maybe never getting to see her again. And look, I get it. That's an emotional scene, and it was a powerful scene. But you know, don't 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 try to get the brownie points by bringing Culper back to life because we were mad because you troped him to death, and then just hand wave all of the important parts of his plotline away because we had time 
for this whole backstory thing about how, you know, Philippa sees Michael as her daughter and now Michael's got two mommies and all that. And we had time for one of the most awkward fight scenes between an AI controlled man, see Spock's brain. And you get my hopes up that you're finally going to kill Tyler because Ash Tyler needs to die. Hashtag Ash Tyler needs to die or at least get off the show in some way. I don't really care, but you had to raise my hopes with that. And then you had to get everybody so stupid that, oh no, the AI is on the section 31 ship and it's stealing things from the base. So let's blow up the base and not fire any of those photon torpedoes at the section 31 ship, because that would, that would cut off our plot. And, we'd have to deal with the fact that Leland was already dead, even though Leland's already dead. Just let him go and let him take Ash Tyler with him. (sighs) Sorry. Y'all know how much I don't like Ash Tyler. Like, bad character, bad writing. Now, of course, we find out that he has a beard because he's lost himself. I don't know if you saw that interview, but... Oh my goodness. Okay. You're not going to make me like this character. I'm sorry. You introduced him in a bad way and haven't made him better. He's now emo Klingon in human skin, and I just can't take it. I just can't. Like, I could accept emo Klingon Worf because it made sense. Because, you know, his wife had just been killed, like, both times you gave me emo emo Klingon Worf. But you know what emo, emo Klingon Worf did? He picked up a Betleth and took it out on something. And if I was... Anyway, sorry. I'm going to try to drop it, but it's not... It's not easy. They don't make it easy. Okay, so... Yeah. Then you have all the people out there who are trying to say that... This episode tells us that the AI from the future is the invention of the Borg because of the weird computer thingy, because reasons, and they're forgetting, and hopefully that won't be true, because I I don't think that's going to be true, but regardless, because it doesn't make sense, because the Borg assimilate, they don't, like, destroy all life, like, that, that, that does not make sense, but if you haven't realized by now that this is the apology season of Star Trek Discovery and they couldn't just say my bad and move on with it they have to try to make us like Ash Tyler which just isn't going to work they brought Culper back to life and to make sure we were okay with that we did a search for Spock on top of it because you know when we search for Spock, people come back from the dead. That's in canon already for reasons. And they're having the whole season is about them apologizing for making the discovery bridge look too cool with new effects. I'm telling you the whole point of this season is that so next season when they show us the new bridge of the discovery and it's all computer tapes and crystals and looks much more like the OG 
original series, Bridge of the Enterprise, we're like, oh, they had to do that because the AI went amok and now the Federation is a little bit AI computer phobic. And so they dumbed everything down so that can't happen again. I'm telling you, that's what they're going for. That's the whole point of this. The big hero shot at the end is going to be either the bridge of the refit Enterprise. Because remember, that's where the Enterprise is during all this. It's gone in for a refit. And we're going to see it look like it used to. Like we expected it to. Or we're going to see the bridge of the new Discovery all refit to look like the OG Enterprise so that they can be like, we're sorry we went a little too far into the JJ look of the series. That's all they're doing this season. That's why we have this. And they're trying to connect it to some of the ideas that Gene Roddenberry came up with for the New Humans and the arguments between the New Humans and the Traditionalists. In fact, this episode, the last couple episodes, they've come so close to saying New Humans. Like, they, they've come really close to using that phrase. I really believe that that's what they're doing. But the whole point of this is not to retcon the Borg or any of that. It's just to say, I'm sorry... And to explain in series why the show is going to look more like the original series going forward. Because it's already got its third season. And its third season is the one where they're really going to push it. And it's going to be a lot more like classic Star Trek. Except for, I'm betting with a female captain. Is they're going to kind of double down on that. That number one is going to become the new captain of the Discovery. Because... Seriously, if they hired Rebecca Romain to be in, like, two episodes, just kind of walk in, have lunch, and leave? Oh. Oh, no. No, no. You you don't do that to me, Discovery. Like, I have accepted that Ash Tyler exists in this universe, and you're not going to just retcon him out of being. Even though that would have made me happy if he and Laurel would have just disappeared to Kronos and we never talk about them again. <sighs> Why couldn't you just let them disappear to Kronos and have us never talk about them again? But, yeah. Y you don't... You don't do that to me. Rebecca Romaine has to be cast for a reason. Because she's awesome. And you promised me we were going to learn a lot more about number one. And so far, I still don't think they've given her a name. I haven't heard it. I know I saw it in interviews, but I don't remember having heard it on the show. <sighs> But yeah, that's what they're doing this season. They're just explaining why the technology gets dumbed down. <sighs> and while we're at it, let's talk about Miss Giorgio. Because I love me some Michelle Yeoh. You know how much I love Michelle Yeoh. But she's smarter than she was on this episode. She was. And... I, I like that we got to see her fight, and she got to hold her own against, I don't know, what we're going to call whatever Leland is, control or whatever, but she knew what she was getting into, and it took her how long to turn off the thing, to turn off the transmitter? Like, 
This is a ruthless emperor. She fought her way up through the Terran Empire to be the leader of it and was only brought down because Lorca brought in an entire other universe's super secret ship to come back and surprise attack her and break everybody out of space jail so that he could try to overthrow her, causing her ship to go boom and her becoming a refugee because Michael couldn't let Philippa die twice. Right? She's smart. That's, like, the whole thing of her character. We've been watching her through the whole thing, getting her dirt on Leland so she can take him down because she's going to take over Section 31. And, of course, none of that means anything because Leland got taken over by control and, I don't know, maybe they'll save him. They, quote-unquote, saved Ash Tyler. <clears throat> for whatever that's worth. But maybe, maybe they'll save him, too. But, really, like, she the first thing she would have done when she re realized what was going on, because remember, that was the whole experiment, right? I'm going to set this up, I'm going to stop it, and we're going to see what he does. And then he starts using the same words that future mama was using, and she realizes, uh-oh, he's being controlled by the AI, I was right, and she doesn't go immediately for the thing to just destroy it. Because... She's the Terran Emperor. She doesn't care about equipment costs. She doesn't care what it might cost to replace that. She just would have shot it. Because that's who she is. You know, she hasn't shown... Oh, what's that word? Restraint. In her actions. Except when she can use it against somebody. The whole fight with Leland, yeah, it was cool, it was fun, it was nifty, but I'm sorry, Philippa would have just shot the thing. I get it, they shot him and it did nothing. I, I still would have liked to see her crank the phaser up to 11 and shoot him again to see if he just turns to dust or not. Because again, I think that's something Philippa would have done instead of going into hand-to-hand. -hand. Because this is Discovery's biggest problem is they want it to look cool. And this is an Alex Kurtzman problem. Like, you can go back to old Alex Kurtzman scripts. And again, like I said, it's hard to weed those out because he worked with Roberto Orki, and we know. <laughs> but you can see this tendency of we'd rather a cool action scene than a smart one. And you're doing Star Trek, which means we want the smart one and make it look cool. Whatever you got to do, make the smart one look cool. Because that's what Star Trek is. That's the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars and all the other things. Is we're about the smarty pants. And the fact that they keep dumbing down their characters. Right? That Culber has to tell us this crap about mitochondrial DNA so that they can hand wave away their surprise because they wanted another surprise because twisty twist reasons. And we have to dumb down Philippa so that she just doesn't just blow up the transmitter and then start shooting him and grabbing other guns and shooting him. Like, I mean, she would have Ripley'd this. She would have had a gun in each hand and would have been shooting and shooting and shooting and stay away from her, you word I can't say and keep my clean tag on Apple. <laughs> but I want to say it. Oh. 
I don't know. It, 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 while I like this show, and I, I feel like I've become kind of an apologist for Star Trek Discovery, because a lot of people have said a lot of bad things that I don't think the show deserves. There are lots of things to complain about on this show, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But the, when it comes to the choice of a cool action sequence, or at least what they conceive in their heads as a cool action sequence... And having the character do the smart thing that seems in character for them, they seem to always default to the action scene, even when it doesn't make sense for the character. And that's, I think, what bugged me the most about this episode is Giorgio would have gotten it done. And I don't, you know, it's, it's, that, it's also that melodramatic ending, right? I know what we need to do. We each need to fire on one of the dishes and then let her go. Okay, on my mark. Mom. Daughter. I love you. I love you too. Love, 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 love. Over and over and over and over and over again till it's like the build up in a Skrillex song that you know what's going to come next because it's the same thing in every song. But it just keeps happening over and over and over again because you're supposed to be getting more excited because you know what's coming and it's the anticipation for when it's actually going to happen, but it didn't quite work because look, Shaniqua Martin green, great actress. I like her a lot, man. She can get that glassy eyed tear face on in a way that a lot of actors can't. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that, right? Emotions are hard to pull off, especially very visceral ones like that. And, you really got that sense of a child about to lose her mother. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's great. But, like, the whole... I, I believe when I watched it, I actually said, turn down, to, turn down for what? When they actually fired the, 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 the phasers and blew up the dishes. Because it just felt like they were doing this, like, build up before the drop moment. Because... That's what the kids are into this these days, and they like the melodrama, so we just need to bring the melodrama and just build it up and build it up, and then pow. The scene might have also played better for me if we hadn't just gone through a very long debate between Michael and her mother about how her mom has watched her die a thousand times, and we'll watch her die a thousand more times. And through this whole thing, it's all about Ben trying to save Michael's life. And how Michael's mom just doesn't care anymore. And yeah, I get it. We've gotten past that facade, that cold facade. And now it's all like, mother, daughter, mother, daughter, mother, daughter. Turn down for what? But it... it it seemed even more out of place because we had just gone through this whole thing of you don't matter, none of us matter, time's evil, time's a monster, time takes everything away from you, I just don't care anymore. But I love you! Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was realistic in that this is a mother who knows that the time crystal got destroyed on the red angel suit. So they may not, she may not ever be able to see her daughter again. 
and a daughter who thought her mother was dead, who found out that her mother wasn't dead and has been keeping an eye on her all this time and been trying to keep her safe and has actually saved her life on numerous occasions and all this. I get the emotions and I get how that works, but you, you need a beat between the time is evil, time is ruthless, I just don't care anymore, and I love you. You know what I'm saying? Like they they came too close together, and part of that's because they have an abbreviated se- season this year, and they're trying to do a grand overarching plot to explain why they're going to have to retrofit the ship so that it looks more OG, so that they can try to make more fans happy. But uh, there were so many places where this episode worked and didn't work for me. And the melodrama really didn't work for me, especially because Michael... Okay, so they introduced Spock, so we see somebody who kind of has gone through the Vulcan stuff and has gotten to the point where he is devoid of emotion, and Ethan Peck does a good job with conveying emotion without being emotional. It's a tricky thing to do. You know, Leonard Nimoy was really good at it. Zachary Quinto tried, but I think Ethan Peck's doing a really good job with it. Now... And James Frayne is a master of it. I'm just, I just have to say. But we bring him in so we have a comparison between him and Michael. And this now justifies them letting Michael be more emotional, where she had been much more Vulcan up to this point. And mm, I get it, she's a little girl again, in a way, because psychologically she hasn't seen her mother since she was a little girl, since before she was on Vulcan, and these are emotions that she didn't believe she would ever have to deal with, and I can only imagine how hard they would be if you thought your mother was dead, and then you found out that she wasn't dead, and then you found out you might lose her again. Like, I I get the emotional struggle that's there. I, I do have issues with this being the way that Michael would have dealt with them because she has all that Vulcan in her that we have seen over the previous seasons. And I look back on that wonderful episode where she thought she was going to lose Saru and yeah, she gets emotional there, but it's still that kind of controlled emotion that you would expect from somebody who has that Vulcan mind training, but hasn't completely suppressed their feelings, their emotions. So I don't know. I I felt like a lot of characters were either out of character in this episode slightly, or just used to hand wave stuff so that we can get on to the next part of the story. And this brings me to something we talked about last week. This whole idea of when writing, try to write, but, and therefore, instead of, and then, So this happens, therefore that happens, or this happens, but that happened, therefore that happened. This episode felt like a lot of and then. And then we learned that Michael wasn't the Red Angel, and then we learned that it was her mother, and then we learned it was because of the mitochondria, and then we learned that Leland got stabbed in the eye and got brained by the AI, but that didn't kill him, maybe 
I, I'm, I'm still assuming he's dead and the AI is just controlling his body. But we had that whole scene where like he's debating with the AI. So I guess he's still in there. Even okay, so yeah, that that happened because apparently uh, I don't even want to get into it. That was just weird. And then we right like everything felt much more and then and maybe that's why it didn't feel as connected to me as it should have. I don't know. I still enjoyed the episode. I know I'm kind of like ragging on it a lot. But it's one of those things where this this episode did a lot of stuff that was really fun, but kind of fell back on a lot of its weaknesses from season one. And I don't want it to do that. Like, you've gotten rid of a lot of those. Don't, don't let them creep back in. <laughs> Please. We only have a couple more episodes left this season, so... You know, we're almost done. We got three more episodes. The next one is called Through the Valley of Shadows. And then two more and we're out. So, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I still like the show. I just, it's Star Trek. And you know, that's where my heart is. And I just want it to be better. Anywho, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate this episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people. If you have a spare dollar that you can throw my way, down in the show notes, you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money helps out a lot. Else we do everything that we do here. If you don't have the money or you don't feel like joining up right now, that's fine. Just if you know somebody you think would like this podcast, please share it with them. That helps out a lot, too. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. If you have anything that you'd like me to talk about on the show, you can either hit me up there or go to anchor.fm, download the Anchor app, follow Project Shadow, and then you'll see the little button that says voice message. You click that. You can be, give me a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show. Got one of those I'm working on right now. I've got some really good webcomic recommendations, and I'm checking those out. So thank you for that. Um, but keep it clean so I can use it on the show. And let's make this our podcast. Starting, I think, maybe tomorrow. My new book is coming out, Crucify My Love, book one in Mask of the Gods. And I'm going to start talking about my own world building and the processes that I've gone through to construct this setting, these characters, and this story on the podcast. So, teach from example, I guess. So, look forward to that. I'll let you know more about the book when it's out. And, yeah, I'm very excited about this week. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.